0: Open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4. Now, before we look at the text, if you, if your father was or is a Christian and lived his faith and taught you well, then you are a blessed man or woman today. And be sure if he is still living that you call him today or you see him so that he'll know how much you love him and appreciate him. And if he's already with the Lord in heaven, then cherish every memory. Thank God for him. And for those of us who are fathers in this room and grandfathers, and maybe great grandfathers, let's recommit ourselves to being the kind of fathers that God wants us to be a blessing to our our families. Next Sunday we're going to finish Philippians. We've been journeying through this epistle of Paul to the church in Philippi that we've entitled From Servants, that is Paul and Timothy to servants, that is the church in Philippi about the servant, that is about Jesus. And we will bring the series to a conclusion uh, next next Sunday. And so as we think about that today, I want us to think about peace in the church I love. Peace in the church I love. May 20th was a great night for us at First Baptist. And in case you've forgotten what happened that night, we had our big business meeting and voted to enter into an agreement with the University of Mary and baylor And to make a long story short, we call it the Hilltop. And we are in the process now of preparing To move our church to a new location And the university will become the owners of the property On which we stand and sit this morning And there's been a spirit of excitement in the air Ever since that evening and even before that And that's not the only thing that's going on, is it? We have 12 mission trips International mission trips this summer The first of which left on Friday for Moldova And arrived on Saturday, and they are already busily at work, and so our prayers are with them. And there'll be 11 more trips before the end of the summer, the beginning of school, and then some additional trips in the fall. So there's lots going on. Renewal Church is coming, and we're excited about the joy and the privilege that's ours as a church to plant a church in Bell County. And so we're preparing Financially, preparing spiritually, uh, preparing physically in every way to make this church plant everything that God wants it to be. And in addition to that, we've got vacation Bible school that begins tomorrow. We've got youth camps, we've got preteen camp, the God and Country concert, and myriad other ministries that will be taking place in the life of the church. So I want to tell you something. Be on guard. Be on guard because Satan will try to distract us. When the church is doing all that we are doing, you can be assured that the adversary is not happy about it and he will make every effort to distract us. But he will not be successful unless we allow him to be successful. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And he can't make us do anything. Unity does not necessarily mean uniformity or even always unanimity. But clearly, God desires peace in His church. Our witness and our work is at stake. So Philippians 4, beginning with verse 1. Stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word. We will read through the uh, verse 9. Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odea, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement, You may be seated, and God will add His blessing to His Word. Here's what we see in the text. Several things, but first of all, what we see is love expressed. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Paul is expressing his profound love for the church in Philippi. Even a surface scanning of this letter to the church in Philippi would reveal to us that Paul loves the church in Philippi. He loves the believers in Philippi. He has a deep love and affection for this body of believers, this group of servants. I have loved every church of which I have been a member. My childhood, teenage years, church. Then my church in Dallas, my church in Corpus Christi, my church in Richmond, Texas, my church in Fort Worth, and then for 29 and a half years, this church right here. And I love this church, which means I love you. I appreciate buildings, but I love people. And remember, the church is people. You are the body of Christ. And I love you. Are, are we a perfect people? Uh, no, don't think so. Have there been challenges? Yes. Is it all milk and honey? No, but I have loved and love the body of Christ and that's you, the people of this church. For Paul separated from Philippi, imprisoned in Rome, Paul longed to see them and by this written epistle he expresses to them his profound love and appreciation of them and oh how he wanted to see them and he calls them his joy and we've noticed joy is a frequent theme of the book of philippians he calls them his joy and his crown he says of the church in philippi you're the crown jewel of my apostolic ministry I'm responsible, God use me, for putting the church in Philippi, for winning the first believers, and for winning many of you to Christ, and for discipling you, and growing you, and, and I love you, he says. I feel a sense of responsibility for you, and oh, how I wish I could be with you right now. Is the church worth protecting? Is the church worth supporting Paul expresses a love for God's people the second thing that we see in this text is charge given a charge is given now look at verse one the second part he says I love you you're my crown jewel you bring me joy And then he says, verse 1, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Very simple. A very simple charge. Stand firm in this way. What does he mean in this way? He is referring back to what he said in chapter 3 when he says, look at me as an example of the believers. Emulate what I do and what I say and stand firm. Paul never claimed to be perfect. In fact, it is Paul who said, that which I want to do, I can't; I don't do, and that which I don't want to do, I do. And boy, do I identify with that. And I'm sure you do too, if, if you would be honest about it this morning. So Paul never claimed perfection, but Paul did know I am walking with the Spirit, I'm living in such a way that I call upon you, church in Philippi, watch and emulate the things that I do. And stand firm. Now this word for stand firm in the Greek is a military term. Stekko. This sounds military, doesn't it? <laughs> steko. Stand firm. Hold your position. The officer shouts to his troops in the heat of battle. Stand firm. Stekko. Hold your position. And Paul says to the church in Philippi, Stekko. Hold firm. Stand firm firm. Why does he say that? Refer back to chapter 3 and verse 18, where Paul says, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul has reminded and continues to remind the church in Philippi and us 2000 years later, that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. Our warfare is not flesh and blood. Our warfare is a spiritual warfare. And so he says to them and to us, Stecco, stand firm. Hold your position in an increasingly godless culture. Do not collapse. Do not retreat. Do not surrender. Stand firm in the Lord, in His truth, in His Word. And so we do not find ourselves blown all over the place by the winds of culture. Rather lovingly and graciously, yet firmly and strongly, we stand upon the truth of the Word of God, which has not changed and is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as is God himself. So the Scripture tells us, Paul says... To the church in Philippi I love you, you're my crown jewel Stand firm Sticko Hold your position Stand firm It's a word for the church In 2018 The third thing that we see in the text Is conflict Addressed Interesting (laughs) Paul names names Oh my goodness these two sweet ladies never dreamed, I, I don't think, that their names would go down in history, that Paul would put them, as it were, on the front page of the of the eternal newspaper. And, and so Euodia and Syntyche are staunch believers, staunch supporters of, of the church, but something has happened and they're at odds with one another. And what is the issue? We don't know. We don't know. It is likely not a theological issue. Because if it had been a theological issue, Paul would have taken sides. He would have said, Syntyche right, Yodi is wrong, or vice versa. So it likely was not a theological issue. It probably, like a lot of church conflicts started over something relatively minor like the color of the carpet or the you know things like that so we don't know what was going on with these two ladies but what we do know is the potential for harm is so great that paul addresses it and names the two ladies and, and, and those two have been Paul's fellow workers. He loves them. He's not, you know, throwing them under the bus just because he wants to. He, he's naming them as women with whom he served and he appreciates them and, and, and loves them. They've been his fellow workers. They're not puppets. They're not obscure in the life of their church. They're very important and significant in the life of the church. So Paul addresses it because the peace and the unity of the church is being threatened. And Paul pleads with them to come to grips with the issue and restore peace. And he says, be of the same mind. In other words, think it through. Think it through. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And don't be the reason for church division. That would be good advice for any of us. Remember, I said a moment ago, we won't always agree on everything. Unity doesn't require unanimity. It doesn't require that we're unanimous about everything. But it does require us to be at peace with one another. And so we want to remember not to be the reason for church division. And he appeals to some reconciler called companion to help. Who is that? We don't know. Guesses can be made till the cows come home and it, we won't know. But he says to this person, help these ladies. It's not a frantic cry. It's a command. Help these ladies. And the word for help literally means to seize or grasp seize the situation and help bring it to a peaceful conclusion it's a strong word which really shows how much paul loves the church in philippi because it bothers him greatly that they could be at a point of division he names a man named clement don't know anything about him except he was vital to the life of the church and so like the two ladies names go down in posterity so does clement's but differently in a positive way. So Paul, unashamedly, with deep conviction and with great authority because of who he is, addresses the conflict. Now, we'll tie all this together in a minute. Number four. The fourth thing that we see in the text, commands are pronounced. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Commands are pronounced. Paul's, as it were, final exhortations to the church in Philippi. And the first one is, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says it twice. Rejoice. A theme of the epistle to the church in Philippi. Even with disagreement in the church, he calls for rejoicing on the part of the body of Christ. The mark of a Christian should be joy. Joy in the Lord. Not joy for circumstances that hurt, but joy in circumstances that may hurt. Joy over what God has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. The psalmist in the 40th Psalm puts it this way. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the muck and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. That's what God has done. And so we're joyful because of what he has done. Then Peter addresses what he is doing and what he will do. In First Peter chapter 1, though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's what God's doing now and will do in the future. So Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Another command he gives is be gentle. Verse five, do you notice it? Look, look again at verse five. Be gentle. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be gentle. Now, <clears throat> guys in the audience kind of say, be gentle. I don't know what that means. Be gentle. You know, that's for, that's for the ladies who work with the preschoolers in Sunday school to be gentle. Guys aren't supposed to be gentle. Look again at the text. Is there any division there? ladies be gentle no nope. it's to all of us be gentle which is an outward expression of a rejoicing heart and it's obvious to everybody if there is a gentleness in our hearts in the way we treat people it is evident to everybody And he says, be gentle, for the Lord is near. Okay, what does that mean, the Lord is near? Is he talking about the second coming of Jesus? Or is he talking about the Lord being near to us through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? Yes, both. Uh, You can't tell here whether Paul had one in mind over the other. So we'll just take them both. And we'll say that Jesus is closer than the air you breathe... And he is coming again. And so in light of that, Paul says, be gentle. Be gentle. The third command he gives or pronounces is, do not worry. Look again at verse 6. This is where I begin to meddle, you know, the worry part of it. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. But I want to worry. Why can't I worry? It's one of my favorite pastimes. Be anxious. Worry. Nope. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. Those words remind me of the words of someone else in Scripture. Remember who it was? It's our Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear is not like more than food and the body more than clothes or later in the text. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then later, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that. So he says, do not worry. So we've got three Three commands pronounced, three exhortations. Rejoice, be gentle, don't worry. And then there's a fourth one, and that's pray. Look again at the second part of verse 6. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The cure for worry, according to the Scripture, is found in prayer. In everything, pray. Ask with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving for what God has done in the past and with thanksgiving in anticipation of the future. And so he leaves the church in Philippi with these exhortations. Rejoice, be gentle, do not worry, and pray. And I think that's intended for us also. Then in verse 7, we see the next thing in the text, and that's results announced. Look at verse 7. Here, here's the result of all the stuff that we've read this morning. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Is that worth having? The peace of God? Is it important enough to have it that we would rejoice? That we would be gentle? That we would not worry? And that we would pray? I I, I believe it is. I believe it is. Peace, this peace will guard your hearts. That word guard is also a military term, like stecco, stand firm. This this word means to garrison. Garrison your troops, garrison your heart. The peace of God will garrison your hearts, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Deep in the heart, in good times or difficult times, the peace of God will guard. Our hearts and our minds. Now, we're almost done. In verses eight and nine, the passage addresses thinking. Thinking employed. Thinking is important. That's why we have a mind, so we can think. Thinking is important. The mind of the believer is different. Because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, governing our thought process. And so in verses 8 and 9, he tells us what to think about. He encourages us to employ thinking, be a thinking people. So first of all, think about what is true. Think about what is true, real, genuine, authentic what aligns with scripture, scripture itself, for in John's gospel, the 17th chapter, Jesus says in his pastoral prayer for his people, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. And so we think about what is, is true. We employ our minds to think about the truth that we read in scripture. The truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we think on these things. Then he says, think about what is noble. Speaks of moral excellence, not the gutter, not the frivolous, but to think about things of moral excellence, which in studying this this week caused me to say, okay, what are some things that I think about that need to be eliminated? And there were a few. Okay, there were many. (laughs) Think about those things that are noble. Moral excellence. Think about that which is right. Simply meaning, think about the right thing to do. There is a right thing to do, and we think about that. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Think about those things that are pure. Sexually, yes, certainly, but also all moral purity in thought, in speech, in action. That will eliminate some things if we're willing to get honest and transparent with the Lord. That think about those things that are pure. It's going to take some music out of your life. Because, you know, the words have... Much that is impure, you're going to, it's going to take it out. Some things you read, some things you look at on, on, on the TV screen or, or the computer. Whatever is pure, if we're really doing that, then we're going to have to say, okay, this has got to go, that's got to go, this has got to go, and I've got to fasten my mind and think about things that are pure. And then he says, think about things that are lovely. It simply means attractive morally attractive in creation from the sunset to the symphony to serving people we we think about that which is lovely and then he says think about that which is admirable or highly spoken of if you go back a book to ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 Paul says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting which are out of place, but rather think about thanksgiving. Things that are admirable. And then he says, think about things that are praiseworthy. Things that are a reflection of God's moral excellence. I, 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 my mind went back to Romans 12, 2, when I read that word. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Think about those things that are praiseworthy. Then finally, in this thinking process, think about an example or a model. And Paul offers himself up again in verse 9. He confidently offers himself as an example, not a perfect example. Remember what he said that which i want to do i don't do and that which you don't want to do i do yes sir paul i know exactly about that but he offers himself up as an example as a model and he says the thing model the things that you have learned by watching me model the things that you have received through my teaching Model the things that you have heard in our conversation and model the things that you have seen as I have served as a model for you. So that brings us to the last thing. The results are announced again. So as if once was not enough, he does it twice. Look at verse 9. The last sentence, and the God of peace will be with you. There it is again. He wants to make sure we didn't miss it on the first go-around. And the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God. You will have it and you will know it. So as we conclude all of this, what do we, what do we take home as a word of encouragement for us? These things. Number one, stand firm. Stecco. Stand firm. Don't waffle. Don't cave in. Don't compromise. Stand firm on the word of God. Always with love and graciousness, but stand firm on the word of God. Two, resolve conflict. Got conflict with somebody? They may be in this room. They may be in the second service, and you come to this service so you don't have to see them. There's there's, there's is there a conflict? Resolve it. Don't let it become Divisive in the life of the church get it right while there's time to get it right resolve conflict three have the mind of Christ let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus we read back in chapter 2 verse 5 have the mind of Christ number four think correctly the, the Christian life is a thinking life we don't wander aimlessly mindlessly through life it is a thinking life so think correctly and he tells us what to think about and then lastly enjoy God's peace when he talks about the peace of God he's saying revel in it enjoy it celebrate in it the peace of God in your life and in the church that you love let's bow together for prayer In a moment, we'll stand, and Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of a song of invitation. There's someone in this room today who needs Jesus. And if that person is you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, drawing you, wooing you, calling you at this moment. And so when we stand and sing, I invite you to leave your seat, come and place your hand in mine, and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff or one of our laypersons will be here to pray with you. Open God's Word to share with you how you can come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus today. And believer, do you have the peace of God ruling in your heart and in your life? If so, praise God. If not, go back and look at these scriptures today. Maybe the key to finding that peace once again is found in this text that we read today. So, Father, have your will and your way in our lives. Someone here needs your son, Jesus. Draw that one to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You stand and come as God speaks to your heart.